What's good, my dear language learning masters, and welcome to Natural Languages, and welcome to the Language Input Podcast, and yeah, welcome to a new interview, and today I'm going to have Anne from Australia, and she's actually both a Spanish and Indonesian teacher, so this is going to be a fun episode again, and well, she's going to tell us about her experience living in Spain and in different parts around the planet okay and yeah she's gonna she's also gonna answer the question about whether grammar study is actually necessary or not i mean we are we already know that's not what you need in order to learn a language but still a lot of people think it's necessary to some extent so i'm gonna ask her that question to see what her opinion is on the topic and yeah so hope you enjoy it and let's get right into it Let's go. Hi, Anne. Hi. And nice to meet you. Yeah, welcome. Welcome to the podcast. It's it's really a pleasure to have you on. Well, I'm I'm uh, very happy to be here and yeah, it's exciting. Cool. So yeah, yes, to get things started, just Tell us a little bit about yourself and especially when it comes to your experience with languages, you know, as a, as a language teacher yourself or as a language learner. Yeah. Okay. So I live in Melbourne, Australia. Yeah. And um, I guess my first experience as a language learner was when I was in year eight. That's the first year of high school here. Yeah. And I did French. And I did very well in it and I probably should have continued, but my mother talked me into doing, you know, the secretarial subject. So I sort of took typing for the rest of high school and didn't do any more language. Um, and then my next taste of language was when I was much older and I'd been a classroom teacher for a while and it was Australia's bicentennial. I think it was 1988. And we had all these tall ships from around the world come to Australia. Okay. And most of them went to Sydney, but I lived in a small port city at that stage. And one of the tall ships came to Gladstone, my hometown, and it was the Guayas and it was from Ecuador. So I think it stayed in our city, our small city for a couple of weeks and it was over christmas time mm -hmm. and the and the ship had its own band and they were playing police navidad and um, <laughs> you know having like a big town party so we made my friends and i made friends with some of the guys and they showed us over the boat and we asked we asked them back to have a swim in a neighbor's pool and we got chatting i got chatting with one guy can't remember his name now but he was teaching me little bits of spanish so i guess that was what sparked my interest and I actually wrote to him for a while and, um, yeah, was learning little bits of Spanish. And then I decided to do what was called a mini exchange and it was organised um, through the Department of Education. So I went to Oregon for two weeks and the lady I stayed with was learning Spanish at a community college. So she took me along to the classes with her and we played bingo. So I got to know the numbers and um yeah it was it was really good 
um, I got sort of more interested in Spanish. And then after that, I went over to England because I'm actually born in England, but lived in Australia since I was three. Yeah. So um, I can't even remember how I, I, no, I think I decided to go to Spanish classes in England. And the guy who was teaching me said, oh, I've got a friend in Spain. If you want to go um, to Spain, you could probably stay with her. So that's what I ended up doing. I went to Spain. I stayed with this lady, Marisa. She lived in um, Catalonia. Okay. And I stayed with her for a couple of months. And I just loved, I just fell in love with Spain. I think I fell in love with the music and the dancing. And yeah, because I love dancing. I love music. And it just seemed like every weekend, you know, in the plaza, there's dancers. And it was just, yeah, it was so cool. And so I ended up staying for nearly two years in Spain. Nice. I was teaching English just to, you know, make ends meet and learning Spanish at the same time. And then when I left Spain, I came back to Australia. I, um, I just had a certificate of teaching at that stage. So I did a Bachelor of Arts and I did Spanish and Journalism. Um, and then I was teaching a bit of Spanish and I went, um, I did an international university exchange. I went to um, Chile oh. for six months and studied a couple of subjects in Spanish, nice. which was awesome. Um, and then I came back and I think, I think I was still just a regular classroom teacher at that stage, but I used to teach my own class Spanish. Um, Yes, yeah, so I kind of got interested in, in teaching the language, and yeah, and then I and then I went back to uni and I did um, I did applied linguistics. That's right, and I majored in teaching and learning a second language. So um, I had to I had to teach my own class Spanish as part of that. And anyway, down the track, then I got married, um, had my kids. I was out of the teaching game for a while. Mm -hmm. uh, then when I wanted to go back to teaching, uh, I went to a new school in my area and I said, look, I'm a language teacher. I can teach Spanish. And they said, great, we need a language teacher, but our language is Indonesian. And I said, well, I've never been to Indonesia <laughs> and I don't speak a word of Indonesian. And they said, oh, that's okay. You know, if you've got the methodology and, and we'll, train you we'll pay for you to be trained in Indonesian and when I actually started at the school I was only there for one day a week um, and they said oh no we're not going to pay for you to get trained if you're only teaching one day a week so I was kind of stuck then and I was teaching Indonesian to year sevens I'd never had above year five in my life never taught above year five and it was an absolute nightmare like they were shooting pens into the ceiling and and I had to learn everything before I could teach it to them. It was just an absolute nightmare. Wow. Um, but the Department of Education paid for me to have some training. So then I did an online course. And I taught Indonesian for about hmm, maybe six or seven years. And then um, I was at a different school. And by, by this time, I was full time. And there were three, I think, Indonesian teachers at my school. So we were noticing that 
kids weren't retaining anything. They were just, you know, going through our whole program, mm -hmm. but couldn't speak to us, um, you know, couldn't write. All their little um, conversations that they had for assessment, it was all scripted, it was all practice, and it was, exactly. it just wasn't natural. Or, so I started hunting around on the internet and um, I tried a few few different things because the schools then, they were really, really, like back when I first started teaching languages, there were so many PDs that you could go to, professional development days. And um, so I, I was trying different things all the time. But I started looking at the internet and I eventually came across this thing, um, TPRS, and I started reading about it and I thought, oh, my God, oh, this sounds, this sounds like it would really work it just mm -hmm. it just you know it clicked with me it just connected and um so i spoke to my uh team leader about it she said yeah yeah, you know just just trial it with one year level see how you go so i trialed it with year twos i mean down the track i sort of found out maybe year two wasn't the best year level to start with but they were awesome absolutely awesome i had them you know, they were, some of them were able to write little stories and everything wow. after a few months. It was absolutely amazing. Um, and then I just jumped in and started yeah. doing it with all my classes then. And that, um, sorry to interrupt, that was Spanish, right? No, that was Indonesian. Oh, but but you, you spoke the language at, at the time. <laughs> well, well, the funny thing was, I didn't really speak it that well, but yeah. I'd done a couple of years, um, online learning mm -hmm. and assessments over the phone wow and then the department actually um paid for me kind of like a scholarship to go to indonesia so i'd been there twice but only for a couple of weeks okay. um, and sure. then i did like a three-week course i ended up doing that twice because the first time we did it in darwin teachers weren't allowed to go to indonesia because it was just after the bali bombings mm. um so i, I did it one year in Darwin, three weeks of intensive language instruction, and then I ended up doing it in Indonesia the following year. So I had six weeks, basically in-country language learning. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and then and then I must have been doing CI Indonesian for maybe about six years. I had always wanted to do Spanish because obviously my Spanish was a lot more fluent than. Um, my Indonesian was. My Indonesian was terrible. Um, my Spanish was at the level where I was qualified to translate at a professional level, mm -hmm. just from Spanish to English. Yep. Uh, so I finally got the chance to teach Spanish, and that was two years ago now. So, 2020. Uh, so I was at one, that was my first year of teaching. Spanish so now I'm in my third year of teaching Spanish um and my second school of teaching Spanish okay yeah but and I and I um, work three days a week teaching Spanish and then so I work Tuesday Wednesday Thursday and then on Fridays I actually got this little fantastic little gig that just landed in my lap um teaching Indonesian remotely to oh. an outback school because they They've been told by the Department of Education you have to teach a language, but they can't get language teachers because it's remote. Right. Um, so 
I teach the, I sit on my screen like I am right now. The kids go into their library at school. The principal um, supervises them and they watch me on the big screen and I teach them Indonesian. Okay. Uh, yeah, I guess those are Australian problems, right? That a school in the middle, quote unquote, in the middle of nowhere that I guess yeah. not a lot of people want to go there to physically teach the language, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's also COVID as well because yeah. they, right. they can't even get classroom teachers at the moment. So, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, it still sense. a mixture of the two things. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I hope, I hope I haven't left anything out. It's been a bit of a long journey. Oh, good, good. It's uh, really good. Yeah. I have a couple of questions in mind, but I want to go back to, I mean, the, the reason why I asked you about Indonesian is because when, when you taught Indonesian for the first time, you didn't speak the language, right? That's what you said. No. So that, that just sounded crazy to me. Yes, <laughs> because, it was crazy. Yeah, I mean, and it was a nightmare. It was terrible. Okay. Yeah, and that was yeah, that was before TPRS. You said so. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, because quote unquote, anyone can just take a textbook and teach the grammar structures and so on. We feel like you don't even need to speak the language in order to teach it, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, but, but funnily enough, it was teaching TPRS that helped me learn. Mm -hmm. And in one small way, even though I didn't have great language skills, in one, there was one little thing that made me um, a better TPRS practitioner, and that was I had to go slow because I, 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 was, not, um, I was not able to go fast. I wasn't yeah, right. fluent in the language myself. Right. So I actually had to be slow. Right. Yeah. And then I found, when I found TPRS, I sort of, discovered Kathy, Blue Kathy, mm -hmm. and started reading her blog. And then I made contact with her and she said, oh, come and visit me, observe me in the classroom and stay with me. So I went down because I was in, I'm in Victoria. So I flew to South Australia and I stayed with her and I went to her classroom and I just learned so much from her. And then she was like my mentor. She supervised my planning. She shared her planning with me. We were constantly on the phone to each other, sharing ideas and bouncing ideas off each other. And that, you know, has been going on since then for years. We just um, sort of click in the way we teach uh, and the ideas that we have. So, yeah, that was, yeah, she was, that was really awesome. Yeah, that's nice. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and um, I was also thinking, like, you talked about your first experience with languages being French, right? But I, I guess that was the, I mean, you were taught the traditional way, right? When it comes to- mean, Oh, when I, when I was at high school, when I was yeah, learning French. When you took French for the first time, yeah. Yeah, it was traditional. We had a native speaker, but she, yeah, it was the learning the traditional way, I guess, like from a textbook. Mm -hmm. but, but funnily enough, when she taught us songs, like I can still remember little bits of the songs that we did. And I guess, cause that's, bit, you know, it's more natural, isn't it? Right, yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking about because you talked about French and Spanish and all of, all of the experiences that you talked about when it comes to Spanish sounded natural to me as opposed to learning French in a traditional grammar environment in class. So I was gonna ask you about that. Like what's, what was the difference 
I, I mean, I was going to say, what was the difference? But I guess you're perfectly fluent in Spanish. And how are your friends? Well, I would never say perfectly fluent. Um, you know, but, you're fluent. Yeah. <laughs> but it was interesting because I came back from Spain and then I went to uni and, and um, studied Spanish. And so that was still fairly much grammatically based. Mm. But I found it easy because I had that little thing in my head that said, this sounds right or mm. this doesn't sound right. You know, and if you didn't have that, I reckon you'd struggle a lot more. Again, yeah. feeling of correctness, right? Yeah. 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 And then yeah. obviously being in country in Chile as well, you know, I had six months there as well yeah. it's funny because when i went to chile i thought oh yeah um, my spanish is great i'm gonna have no problems but uh some of the words for things were so different yeah different accent as well right different accent yeah it was great though i loved it yeah, it was awesome yeah yeah because actually a lot of my spanish students tell me that chilean or argentinian accent is the the hardest of all <laughs> Oh, I, the Argentinian one, yeah, I find that really hard to understand. Yeah. Chilean, no, because I, I, can't, I guess I've got to know that one now. Right. But yeah. 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 And even some of the students there used to call me La Españolita. So I must have been <laughs> speaking Spanish with a, you know, Spanish accent. <laughs> yeah, because that was after your, your two years in, was it Barcelona or a smaller, smaller town? Yeah, it was just south of Barcelona. Yeah. <laughs> Villanova y los Oh, nice. Like uh, on the coast. Yeah, yeah nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah, so that, and how about your French? Did you, did you manage to acquire French? Oh, um, oh, look, I can remember little, little bits, you know, I mean, yeah, tiny bit, tiny bit. Um, but I and maybe I could understand a little bit, little bit. I can actually read a little bit too. Like if I see a paragraph, mm -hmm. I can sometimes make out the meaning, but there's no way I'd be able to produce. Right, right, right. Yeah, because I was just thinking that your two first or the, the two first languages that you had experience with was were French and Spanish, right? And yeah. one you ended up acquiring Spanish and the other you didn't, which is, which is French. And I wonder how much of it is because you loved Spanish right away and, or, or actually because French, you just try to learn in the traditional way. I always say try, because it's not gonna work. As opposed to naturally acquiring Spanish. Yeah. What, well, what? I mean, I, mm -hmm. you know, I had to acquire it too. There wasn't a choice because yeah. I was there on my own Right. And I'm a chatterbox. You know, I love to talk. So <laughs> I sometimes think that it helps if you if you if you're a bit of a chatterbox. You know, you you really have great motivation then to right, right. To want to learn and speak. You want to be able to communicate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I remember I remember my Spanish friends saying to me, "Hablas como una India," because <laughs> because I would say um I, I didn't know how to use tense at first. You know. So I'd say, um, like, a year, boy, a la plaza, or whatever. I would just use, you know, the, those time, those, yeah. yeah so, like, and then just speak in the present tense, but just use 
a word at the front to help me out. Mm. Yeah, like meaning based, but you didn't know the specific word uh, tenses or yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, so yeah, the, I guess the question is so when it comes to French, did you sort of give up because you you weren't interested in it because you weren't forced to learn the language like you were with Spanish or was it also that because of the traditional grammar approach you just didn't enjoy it? No, no, I I actually did enjoy it and I did really well in French. I think I was probably one of those four percenters though. You know, I think I um, the only reason I stopped doing it was because um, my mum advised me, oh, you know, typing would be better mm -hmm. for your skill set, you know, for when you, yeah, so I, I took typing over French. I, yeah, I mean, I do regret that I didn't keep going with it, okay. but typing did come in handy, to be honest, you know, <laughs> <laughs> especially with, you know, everybody, you know, working on computers and stuff, but yeah, yeah I would have liked to keep going with French. Okay, and what you're saying, you did well that means like in class like uh, tests and so on or you were yeah, on tests okay. yeah i mean on tests yeah okay. yeah but we went to um my my family like my husband and my two boys when they were younger because my brother lives in france mm. so we took the boys to europe and we had a little bit of time in spain uh spain a bit of time in france a bit of time in germany nice and um so some, a little bit of French I could understand. You know, sometimes I'd see a notice up somewhere and I could, I could understand what it said. Mm -hmm. But I would, I would not be able to get into a conversation with someone. Right. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, because when, uh, the reason I asked you about what it, what it meant to do well is because I, I always remember, like, you know, in, in Spain, in Spain I think we started learning learning English at age five, if I'm not mistaken. So the point is from age five to age 18, had 13 years of English. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. when I was 18, I could pass a grammar exam. Yes. Uh, not great, but I would do okay. But I just couldn't speak the language. Yeah. Like not at all. <laughs> right. So that Well, that was my experience with Indonesian. Mm. Like when I did Indonesian, it it was funny because the the Australian teachers that we had in Indonesia, I mean, in Darwin, when we did the course, they were brilliant teachers and it was a much um, more um, comprehensible input way of learning. When we went to Indonesia the second year, it was very, very tra traditional mm. and dead boring, to be honest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, I scored really well on the grammatical tests like you say but yeah I couldn't yeah and even now I just look at a um a piece of text in Indonesian and I can't even try I can't even attempt to read it it just turns me off right it's just yeah I give up because I know I'm not going to be able to understand it yep yeah yeah I, I also talked about that many times like the difference the, the difference comprehensible input makes in your language journey, it is, I mean, I've seen so many people give up on languages and people that are actually super interested in languages just because of the traditional grammar approach, because, you know, 
you you can be the most motivated person on earth, but sooner or later you're gonna end up giving up because the process is hard. It's boring. You're not getting any results, you know. <laughs> and every time you attempt to communicate, you have to think about everything you want to say. It's just a nightmare. <laughs> so when when did you feel like you learned English? Did you go and live somewhere for a while? Oh, I was. <laughs> I've talked about that as well. Is when I started watching the NBA, like basketball, ah, basketball. Really? Yeah. Because again, I was actually interested in the game, right? So I started watching it in English. And, you know, after those 13 years <laughs> studying the language, at least I could understand a couple of things here and there. So I could follow along. But, you know, I'd say 13 for a 13 year period that's really poor but it was still good enough for me to understand what was going on yeah right and the thing is i was so interested in the game that i kept watching games and more games and of course i sort of had the hope that was going to help me out but i was watching it because i loved it i still do i was interested in the game not not in the language itself so you know i've watched hundreds of thousands of <laughs> hours yeah. of comprehensible input, right? Because that's also the good thing about sports that you've got a commenta commentators describing what's going on. And at the same time, you, you actually get to see what the player is doing. So it's easier to connect the words with the action itself. Mm. That's really helpful. Yeah. But yeah, that was it. Like I, I can, I can't even say the amount of time I spend watching games because I like it. Like I said, that's yeah. That that to me, that's the key to to language learning. Like whether that's sports or storytelling, or I mean, the story listening from the perspective of the student or reading, whatever it is, the idea scenarios when in, is in which you're you're interested in the topic itself, in the story in, in yeah. the game and that game storybook happens to be in the language that you want to learn as opposed to focusing on grammar and form and the specific yeah. structures right and don't tell me how but the brain sort of knows and it ends up acquiring the language right? yeah. <laughs> it's just how yeah. it works it's how it's always worked that's how we all acquire native language and again, with that, I'm not saying we, we should talk to adults the way we talk to kids, but the principles have to be the same because it's a process that works 100% of the time. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I remember when I was teaching English to Spanish young adults in um, Villanova, they, <laughs> sometimes they would say to me, oh, but why? Why is it like this? And at that stage, I hadn't learned a language um, using, you know, having lots of grammar like I did when I went back to uni for Spanish. I, I said to them, I can't, I can't tell you why. That's just the way it is, you know. <laughs> but often students, you know, will ask, why, why, why? Yeah, it happens all the time. And that is because they don't know why, you know. And, and even details like yourself, like you said, I, I, I mean, I was going to say I get asked all the time, but... The good thing is my students, they already know what, what they're going to get from me. So they, yeah. they're not that interested in, in the language, in form itself. So I don't get that many questions, but, you know, like YouTube comments or somewhere else. 
Like, why are you using the subjunctive? It's everyone's favorite subjunctive. <laughs> and I'm like, because it sounds right. <laughs> you know, I don't know. And then they start talking about crazy pretenses that I don't even know what they, which one is, which one, like pretenso, whatever. And I'm like, which one is that? <laughs> I don't even know, you know? And it happens all the time with every single language. Like I live in Poland, like I said, so. Not, I mean, not anymore, but at the beginning, I, I, I remember asking my friends, why, why do you say that? Why, why do you change the ending? <laughs> Things like that. And they were like, I don't know. It is the way it is, <laughs> yeah. you know? And, and through comprehensible input and through naturally acquiring the language, back to your point that you talked about before, you develop a sort of feeling of correctness, right? So it just, with the, certainly with your native language, but with other languages uh, eventually as well. Like you don't even know when, when someone makes a mistake, you, didn't, you don't even know what the mistake is or you're not sure. You just know it, it doesn't sound right in your mind, right? Mm. Yeah. That's yeah. totally independent from conscious grammar study, right? Anyway, it's- Yeah, and gosh, I can remember when I, you know, was first teaching Indonesian, I would have to assess the kids on pronunciation, hmm. you know, word order, grammatical, like all this, all this kind of thing. And I don't even need to teach that anymore. They just get it. Their pronunciation is beautiful, you know, they they mostly get the word order correct. It's, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, I've, I could not go back to teaching traditionally now. No way in the world. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just a subconscious process. Like, we don't control it, fortunately, to be honest. <laughs> it just happens, you know. Yeah. And, and do you have any, because I've been getting crazy stories from other teachers recently. Like, do you have any story of a language student that, you know, you, you started out with them the traditional way and they either they hated it or they just weren't interested. And when you switch to comprehensible input and TPRS, it was like, it looked like a different, a totally different person, like so engaged and, you know, things like that. Like the, the different, switching to TPRS or comprehensible input made in your in your language career. Yeah. Um, yeah, do you know what? I honestly, I honestly can't remember because I've been doing it for like about nine years now. And I okay. the first class I did it with they were little, they were only like six or seven and they were year twos. And I can't even remember what they were like. Like they're usually pretty engaged at primary school. Mm -hmm. But I I, yeah, I honestly can't remember, but I know, I know what did really stick out to me was that they, they used to use it, um, you know, just without thinking, they would use it in the playground. Um, so they, they, like, I remember one little girl when she was prep, she wouldn't even come into the classroom and then her teacher would bring her in and then she was very, very, very shy. And then the next year, a year later, she'd see me out on yard duty and she'd come up and she'd say, um, oh, the crocodile's eating, the crocodile's eating Ibu Ann, you know, or, or she'd just make some little joke and then her and her friend would go off into peals of laughter. laughter. So they'd just, <laughs> oh, and, and, and then, but the best, the best story was that um, 
I used to get confused about which classes I was picking up when, right? And I remember I went out of the Indonesian room once and I went to, there was a class outside and I went up to them and I said, have I got, have I got this class now? And I must have already asked them like a couple of times previously the same day. And um, one of the kids just said, oh, Ibu and Gila or, or something like that. Like Ibu Ann's crazy because, <laughs> you know, just it was just without thinking. It was awesome. I just loved it. I just love when that happens. They, right. you know, it's perfectly in the right context. It's mm -hmm. perfectly said. It's just magic. And that never would have happened before. Right. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, I don't even have the words to describe the difference between one or the other. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I, I keep talking about it as well. Like now I realize that languages are my passion and I love learning them. I love teaching them. I, you know, I, I, I'm never going to stop learning languages. And I keep reminding people it wasn't like that before, you know, like I, I struggled with languages myself, like just as everyone else, because that's just not the way the language mechanism works. So, you know, we're all going to struggle that way. And it is it's such a different experience. Anyway. I can, rem I can remember someone saying, and I don't know who it was, but I can remember someone saying, um, if you can learn your first language, then, you know, you can learn any language. Exactly. I really love that. It's so true. You just got to learn it the right way. Yeah. You know, it's, we all have the ability, you know, yeah. like, except for a few, you know, like, unfortunately, like some damage, some brain damage or things like that. If, you know, it worked for every one of us when we were kids. So we all have that ability. That what, what I like to say is when, when, we, when we're adults, it's not that we lose the ability to learn languages. It's just we learn to learn them the, the, the wrong way, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we start paying attention to grammar as opposed to communication, yeah. which is the most important thing. Um, yeah, and other things. And it's just, it's just so sad that there's so many adults in the world who feel that way, who feel, oh, I'm no good. I'm no good at languages. It's, and it's just oh, not yeah. true. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That, again, that's, uh, yeah, when, when I tell people that I speak seven languages, um, the first, the first yep. <laughs> <laughs> the, the first, the first play, the first place they go into is uh, you must be talented or your natural ability for it. And I just, I wish people could be in my head 10 years ago. <laughs> like I just wish, like, it's not about talent. Like, and I won't get tired of repeating that because, you know, there's so many adults giving up because of the traditional grammar approach, like I said, or because they think they're not talented enough. It's not that you're not talented. It's that that specific process that you're trying to learn the language with hasn't, has never worked for anybody yeah. <laughs> ever, right? So I mean, I, I actually understand why you why they think that way. I used to feel that way myself, you know, because it's just so dominant all over the world that that's the only thing you know. That's the only way you know in order to learn a language as an adult. And because the process is not working, and again, it's not your fault, <laughs> you know, it's just not how it works, but because it's not working and you think it should, 
you know, what's left? What's where's the problem? It must be me, right? That's yeah, yeah. The only the only variable left. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I I I would. I, I'll keep repeating this over and over again until it hits for people, you know, like it's not about talent, you know, it's about following the right principles. That's it. It's about comprehensible input, um, watching resources that you're interested in, listening to podcasts whose topic you're interested in, of course, adjusting to your level so it's comprehensible because otherwise it's just nice, right? But reading books that, that you, again, that you're interested in, your favorite, whatever it is, sports, you know. Yeah. And it's just so enjoyable that, I mean, like I said, I'm gonna keep learning languages forever because I love it. I love every single minute of it, as opposed to 10, 15 years ago when I, I just didn't like it. <laughs> I mean, it's not, I was gonna say I hated it. Not really, it was just sort of indifferent, like, mm, okay. Like one more subject in school, <laughs> yeah. nothing, nothing special, and it's actually my passion. <laughs> so yeah, do you know what I found really hard is I was, I was to here I was teaching with comprehensible input, and my son who was at high school was learning his language mm. traditionally, and I'm like, ah. <laughs> so. <laughs> right. yeah. He, he was like we don't have we don't have a lot of people in Australia really that you know use comprehensible input right. and Kathy was really good because she um, instigated it in South Australia and she had quite a big group of people um, and we did have we did have quite a few people who went to the conference in Brisbane um, but the funny thing is there doesn't seem to be a lot of Spanish speakers who are using it which, yeah, it's frustrating. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> someone's got to start things off, I guess. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, right now we, we have the internet and you can listen to a lot of things. But, of course, it's it's always nicer if you have someone live to talk to, right? <laughs> yeah. Or even to go and visit classrooms, you know, that's... Yeah. I mean, that really helped me to go and visit Kathy's classroom and just see it happening right in front of you. Yeah. And you, yeah, you that was awesome. The pieces together, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the conference in the jump for me. Like I, I had before I went there, I watched a lot of videos, uh, I read Stephen Gratian's books and a lot of things. But it was seeing it live in action that really clicked for me. Like, mm, okay, yeah. I mean, really clear. What I mean is, I was already convinced, <laughs> but yeah, it it showed me how how to do it. Right. Yes. So, okay. So I have to do this in order to be comprehensible, which is the ultimately the only thing. They, I mean, of course, if you make it interesting, that's always going to be better, right? But in the end, if they if they understand what you're saying, they're learning the language. That's simple. Yeah. So yeah. And yeah, yeah. I want to ask you about when you know back to comprehensible input and grammar and so on, because. Um, I'm putting out a lot of content because, like I said, it's my passion and I love it and I want to help as many people as possible. But, and I can see that a lot of people who are convinced or who, who believe in comprehensible input, who, okay, so they understand that that's the way, but they still think some sort of grammar <laughs> backup, you know, whatever you want to call it, 
is necessary. So, you know, so, okay, so, uh, you know, I see a lot of comments like, mm, okay, it makes sense, what you say makes sense, or in, in, in other people's channels or, you know, somewhere else, like, it makes sense what you're saying, but I, I still think you need to know the basics. You need to study grammar at the beginning so you have the basics. So what's your take on that? What's your, your opinion? No. <laughs> um, I, I, end, end of the story. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I, yeah, end of story. I had a bit of a tricky time last year. No, not last year now, the year before. I worked with a native Spanish speaker. Mm -hmm. And when I first started at the school, he said, okay, this is how I start. Um, I start with the alphabet. And we learn the alphabet sounds and we do phonics and you know we learn the the, the sounds that the vowels make and everything and i went yeah okay <laughs> and he and he justified it by saying that's the way i learned at school but i said to him yeah but when you went to school you'd already had five or six years of input <laughs> but yeah <laughs> It was difficult because he, you know, didn't want to hear it. It's it's very hard when you've got, you know, colleagues. Yeah. I know a lot of people are in that boat. It's um, yeah, you can't conv convince them. You just got to do your own thing. You know, you've got. I think sometimes you've got to say yes, 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 great idea. Yes, we'll do that. Yes, 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 and then just go into your classroom and do your own thing. <laughs> Yeah, you can start mentioning things, and if you see they're just not open, it, it, that's okay. You know, we we we're all close when to to some subject or some topic. You know, like so. Yeah, it's it's impossible to convince people that don't want to be convinced, right? <laughs> just like you said, you just do your thing, whatever it is, and hopefully more and more people will will jump on board, right? Yeah. But. Yeah, yeah, like sorry, I interrupted. Like back to the question. Yeah, like uh, yeah. Usually, um, usually I'll wait till a student asks something before I, um, you know, give them a grammatical point. Although the other day I did say something about um, pollito, and I just quickly explained what the ito does to okay. a word, and and um, yeah, they thought that was really cute because I was going around saying their names but putting an ito on the end. But and then at the end of the lesson. I've got this awesome student. He's so good. He said to me, so if there's an ito on the end to make it a small something, is there something you can put on the end to make something bigger? And I just thought, oh, my God, what an awesome question. You know, some kids just want that. They, they've they just got that. They want to know more. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the thing about the you know grammar about like i said these people thinking that okay comprehensive input is the way but you still need to learn some grammar or study some grammar it's like back to the feeling of correctness thing and I, i'm sure everyone can relate to this when it comes to the native language that again when someone makes a mistake in their own native language they you know it, it just it just doesn't sound right in their mind you just know that is yeah. and and it's like, a, I, I'll use the same example I, I usually use with Spanish, and you probably relate to it, is that every single Spanish-speaking kid says rompido at the beginning. I mean, like, the, the word for broken, right? 
for everyone listening that doesn't speak Spanish. <laughs> um, so the word for broken is roto, okay? Yeah. So roto is the right word or the correct conjugation, if you will, but it's irregular, right? As opposed to rompido, which would be the regular conjugation, but it's just incorrect, right? So the thing is, every single Spanish-speaking kid says rompido at the beginning. Why? Because, you know, through other examples, through comprehensible input, comer, comido, beber, bebido, etc. Yeah. Their brain sort of develops the language rule without them having to consciously study the rule, which is great news, by the way. <laughs> but back, back to the point. So they start saying rompido all the time. And I'm sure we can find examples with every single language in the world. Yeah. It's like yeah. that. So the thing is, the language mechanism develops the language rule on its own without needing to study it, right? And over time, you know, when they listen to the right word enough times, they just start saying it the right way. Yeah. Yeah. When they're developmentally ready, just like BVP used to say. Yep. They go through stages of development. Exactly. It is and rompido. And, and there are other examples. Yeah, but I'm sure we can come up with examples with our languages. But mm. it is, I'm, I'm not saying grammar is not important. All I'm saying is you don't need to consciously study like through comprehensible input and understanding the message, your brain is gonna develop those structures, those roles. So, and that's excellent news, by the way. You know, yeah. image, yeah. you know, those days are- No studying. Yeah, <laughs> those days are over, you know? <laughs> it is, yeah. Anyway, and, Actually, yeah, I also wanted to ask you about another thing. And this is something I've been thinking about. So this is not, I haven't read, I haven't read any research on it. It's just a personal feeling with the languages that I already speak. I'm starting to feel that consciously studying grammar, not only is it not necessary, but it actually gets in the way. Yeah, I, I because it makes you overthink things. I, I, yeah, I can see what you mean you start to think about it before you communicate. And so you kind of held back in your communication. Exactly. And yeah. I've seen it in myself. I'll give you an example in a moment, but I also see in my, in my students, like sometimes I can see that they're going to say something in Spanish or they actually say it like naturally, like, cause that's, that's what comes out naturally. Mm -hmm. And then, like a second after they've said it, they start thinking, mm, was that right? Or is it right? And they say a different thing. And the first time around was correct. <laughs> and the second, they start hesitating, right? You know what? It's so funny you should say that because I do that all the time. I've, I've, because I've been teaching Indonesian for so long and I've lost my contact with Spanish a bit, I constantly doubt my Spanish. <laughs> and I do the same. My my first instinct will be correct, but I'll get you know my phone and I'll be googling it and and yeah, I'm right, but I just doubt every yeah. single time. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I want to talk about my 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 own journey. In my own journey, I started to feel that when I started learning Italian, and after after a while, you know, after a couple of years or so that I could start communicating in the language. 
And, you know, before people say that Italian's closer to Spanish, so that's a different case. I, I'm going to compare um, Italian as opposed to French or Portuguese. So I'm, I'm not talking Chinese and different languages, right? So my, my feeling's been that I'm, I'm more fluent in Italian when I'm communicating as opposed to Portuguese or French because Portuguese or French, to some extent, I did study some grammar because with French, I, I studied it in, in high school as well. Yeah. And with Portuguese, when I started learning Portuguese, it was just a couple of years before I started, I realized that, you know, comprehensive input and TBRS is the way to go. So obviously that's not what helped me acquire the language. I know that, right? But to some extent, I did study some grammar. And I feel like my Italian is way more fluent or it feels more fluent to me and in my head because I don't have that conscious knowledge to sort of rely on, if that makes sense. So all, yeah, that makes sense. all I'm saying when I'm communicating in Italian is what's in my head, you know, yeah. it's naturally coming out of my, of my mouth, right? So I don't overthink things as opposed to the other two that it's not that it happens all the time, but to minimum extent, it, it does happen because of that. So I'm starting to think, mm, is this the right conjugation? Is this, is this correct? It happens yeah. all the time. Yeah. So yeah, grammatical instruction holds you back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a really interesting thought. I've got a question for you now. Do you do you get mixed up sometimes? Because you said you speak seven languages and you when you're flipping and like, do you ever get mixed up? I do. But uh, not as much as people think, first of all. <laughs> but then, then it's funny because I mean, I, I'll answer your question first, but I do when, no, or I'll do because, how to put this into words? I do, sorry, I do when, when I'm trying to say something that I haven't acquired yet, if that makes sense, or I'm trying to communicate in Italian, for instance, right? And one specific word or sentence, I haven't, for whatever, I haven't just um, listened to that specific sentence enough times, you know, or it's not there yet. So because I haven't acquired that specific word or structure yet, I lean in, you know, I, I, I sort of, I rely on Spanish or Portuguese. So I, I do mix them up a little bit. <laughs> or yeah. if, if there's a word, that I can't remember in a specific, in Italian, sometimes the Portuguese one comes up. <laughs> yeah, yes. And I'm like, is this Italian or Portuguese? Wait, <laughs> you know, but when I'm communicating naturally, like when things that I've already acquired, no. And the, yeah. the funny thing is, there's a funny thing that happens to me that I'm, I'm listening to a podcast in Portuguese, for instance, and it's like Portuguese is coming in my head, right? Like it's a Portuguese coming. But then I switch to Italian and I start having thoughts in Italian. Or sometimes I'm, uh, so I've been listening to a podcast in Portuguese. So it's like I have Portuguese in my head. And then I go to, to a meeting for like a language exchange meeting to speak Italian. And for like the five, 10 seconds, I'm like, Oh, like I can't remember anything. Then it's like my brain switches into Italian mode and then it starts to come out, right? Yeah. So yeah. like the, for whatever reason, don't tell me why, but the brain knows. 
You know, if you're communicating with the Italian person, the, the brain switches to Italian, yeah. right? I think I think you're right. I think it, you need a little transition period because I because I go from teaching Spanish and then teaching Indonesian. Mm -hmm. I sometimes think, oh my god, how do I say that in Indonesian? And sort of struggle for the, maybe the first few seconds. Right. But then once I'm in there, then it's okay. It just takes a little while to get in there. And I remember when I was actually in Spain and I told my friend that I spoke some Indonesian, she said, count to 10 in Indonesian. I want to hear what it sounds like. And I was like, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Spain. I'm with you. <laughs> it was so weird. It was really weird. So I think it depends a lot on the situation too that you're in because your brain must get used to being in either places or situations or which I really find fascinating. Yeah, and even even in, in my own head, like like I said, I'm listening to something in Portuguese. And for whatever reason, I'm I'm imagining myself having a conversation in Italian later on that day, right? Just thoughts coming on my head. And for the first 10 seconds, only Portuguese comes up. It's like, wait, 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 wait. Like, I, it's like I'm rehearsing the conversation in Italian in my head, but for the first 10 seconds, I can because I've been listening to Portuguese. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, like a, 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 five seconds ago. So it takes me like 10 seconds to where we're in, Italian now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? a little recalibration in the brain, yeah. maybe. <laughs> but, the, you know, we don't, we don't get to control that, fortunately, you know, the brain knows <laughs> and it works. Yeah. So, yeah, but, and also for, for the most part, when I want to say a specific word in Italian or Portuguese or French, and I can recall it, I mean, I can recall it because I don't have the time to think about it in real in real time speeds, which means I haven't acquired it yet. Okay, <laughs> um, so a Portuguese word would come up, and many, sometimes I just I just go with the Portuguese word because that's the thing that comes in my head, and you know, especially with related languages, it's not that that's going to make a difference in the in the in the communication. You know, when it comes to understanding what I'm saying. So if I'm if I'm speaking Italian and I throw a, I throw a, a Spanish word here and there because it just comes that way, they're gonna understand for the most part. So again, back to communicating being the most important thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It is. I like that. Yeah, yeah but again, it's it, we're we're always gonna come back to to the traditional grammar approach, and you know. Um, which, which leads into you paying attention to grammar and form and being worried about making mistakes and things of that nature, right? Yeah. As opposed to just, you know, let it, let it fly and <laughs> focus on communicating, on communicating, yeah. What, what age students do you teach? Adults, adults, yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I have, um, Okay. I was going to say, I teach from prep to year six, just primary school. Uh -huh. um, for quite a long time, I just had preps to twos when I was teaching Indonesian. Um, so to be honest, I didn't need a great bank of vocab anyway, <laughs> you right. know, because I was trying to limit it. Um, 
And that's what I really loved about when I started reading about comprehensible input. Limit the vocab, limit the vocab. I'm thinking, yes, because <laughs> I've got no choice. My vocab is limited. But yeah, now I'm teaching P to six. I, I really like that right. age yeah. level. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, I do it 100% online. So with kids online, it's it's a bit tougher. I mean, you probably know that with your Outback students or? Yeah, yes, definitely. And the younger ones, the younger they are, the harder it is remotely, yeah. Because we adults can sit in front of a computer for hours and not even blink, right? <laughs> but yeah. kids need the movement and the interaction and things like that. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to put it into words. Like, um, it's sort of easier to teach adults when it comes to the fact that they're actually interested in the language. They're actually, they actually want to learn the language. And when it comes to kids, they might or they might not. <laughs> they might be fooled yeah, yeah. by their parents. Or, you know, it depends. So that's that's a huge class when it, you know for teaching adults. And yeah. But then the the the, the good thing about kids and you, you you probably can tell me more about that is they don't have the prejudices that we have when it comes to language learning, right? That for the most part, they, they're not worried about what verb tense you're using. They just want to understand what you're talking about. Oh yeah, yeah. And they, they, they just, they get immersed in whatever story you're telling them and they're not worried about, hmm, what's that feminine or masculine? What's, is it L or La, you know? <laughs> It's funny because the, the really younger ones, like the preppies, when, they, when they're first year of school, they're totally open, totally open. When, when they come to be about maybe 10 and up, mm. that's, that's when they might sort of go, well, you know, well, why do I have to say it like that? Or what? They're more hung up, I guess, about the form and how it actually works. Whereas the little ones just go with the flow. Right. So, and they're so so they're so so easy to teach yeah well in that way anyway yeah yeah, yeah and, and i mean uh when you're talking about 10 year old and an app i have my theory but do you think is that's because i mean there's some natural part in it some natural curiosity in it or is it mainly which is my my opinion is it mainly because they've already had like four or five years of conscious study of their own native language. Like, you know, they've had um, English classes in which they're trying to learn grammar and so on. I think, I think it's because they start to think about their own thinking and think about their learning. Mm -hmm. So whereas the little ones aren't freaked out at all, they're just ready to relax and go with it. And the older ones, like they're the ones who will say to me, say that in English. Can't, you know, can't we, can we learn the song in English now? You know? <laughs> no, because it's a Spanish class. But, right. um, you know, because I, they just, yeah, they just want to know how it all works. And they just need, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I just think it's because they're starting to think about how they're thinking. Yes. Yeah, that's a really good question. I don't 100% know the answer to that question. So it's, but uh... it's just interesting. That it makes sense. It's uh, awareness of their own thoughts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they just want to know how things work. I guess. I guess because by that stage they've worked out how their language works. 
-hmm. you know they 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 can read and write well semi-perfectly most of them Mm -hmm. in english so i guess they expect everything else to just make sense to them like that right and and they want sense made of it right and so they're they, 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 you know, they can't sort of just relax and go with it. I think, I think they get used to it too. I think they sort of, you know, get used to when you're teaching that way. Eventually, they. Yeah, yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah, way, way quicker than adults. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. I'm lucky because I, I got to start up the program. So last year was their first year of language. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not at the stage where at, at my Indonesian learners. I've had them for about maybe seven years you know I'd had some of them since prep so they were reading and reading each other's stories and and writing stories and it was awesome nice yeah yeah it um, just takes a while to build up a language program yeah it'd be interesting to know if if you start teaching Spanish or Indonesian to a 12 year old kid who hasn't had any grammar um, instruction in English, you know, would, would, would they be more like the five-year-olds, you know, and just relax? Or, you know, in order to know what's, what's, the, what's the factor that's really, you know, having an impact on that. Yeah. You know, if, if they're 12 year old and for whatever reason, like homeschooling or things of that nature, they haven't had any contact with conscious grammar instruction i have a funny feeling you know they, like you said they might start noticing their own thoughts so they might be curious to some point but i have a funny feeling that we way more relaxed because they they haven't learned to pay attention to grammar if that makes sense mm-hmm. i suppose yeah. i think i think it might also just be a developmental thing yeah yeah yeah, that's the, the natural part that I was mentioning. Uh, that's yeah, yeah, like they need, they need to understand things. Mm-hmm. They, they need to understand it, whereas the little ones, you know, just go with it. <laughs> yeah. yeah what time is it there in Spain? What? Sorry? What time is it for you? Uh, now it's 10.36 here in, in, in Poland, but it's the same, same time zone. Yeah, yeah in the morning. Yep. So there's like a 10 hour difference, I believe. Yeah. There it's uh, All right. Half past eight at night for me. So a couple more questions and we can wrap up more about your future language learning activities. (laughs) Is there any language that you like to learn or that you're looking to learn or that you... I would actually love to learn Italian. Oh. We have quite a big Italian population in Melbourne. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a good friend of mine, her boyfriend's Italian. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I would like to learn Italian. That's cool. And how, how, how would you go about it? Like, what, what would be the first thing you'd do? I would probably just play around on the internet and find someone who's doing story listening or something. That's the way I do it. Or just ask, you know, if there are teachers like you who are, you know, teaching with comprehensible input, I would do it that way. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. When because you- I actually was, you know, I thought, oh, I need to, I need to improve my Spanish language. So there was uh, a guy giving 
free lessons. Um, it was some, it was some group. I can't remember the name of it, but so I went on, but it was really, really grammatically based. Like every, every week they had vocab and it was vocab that I would never use. It wasn't high frequency vocab at all. Mm -hmm. So we talk about what the vocab meant and I don't know, you know, do things like put it in a sentence and all this kind of stuff. And I thought, oh, yeah, I, I loved I loved the tiny little snippets of the lesson where we'd actually get to really talk to each other, but the rest of it, yeah. Yeah, that's you know, even in an hour long grammar class, there's gonna be five to minutes in which you're just communicating, so yeah. it's not gonna be a completely waste of time, but still, yeah. Yeah, and I probably don't remember any of those words that were. Right, in the right, lesson. Right. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, you, you were talking about vocabulary and yeah, first of all, like you said, they, they were not high frequency words. So th those are not words that you're going to use, but even if they were, that's not the way to acquire them, right? Mm. Like, again, like to give you a little example, to give everyone a little example, if for whatever reason you want to learn the, the words for means of transportation in Spanish, don't take a word of, you know, plane, bus, uh, bicycle, <laughs> you know, like no context whatsoever. As opposed to that, if you listen to a story in which the main character travels from Melbourne to the United States by plane, then uh, drives by car to another city because he's meeting a friend. So, you know, you're, you're actually using the words that you, you want to learn in context and with enough repetitions, you're going to be able to acquire them and remember them, right? Because I, I also read about that a lot. Like, how do you learn vocabulary? Or how do you remember vocabulary? Things like that. And like, it's not that it's like a separate thing that you can study or memorize, you know? It's just, if you want to learn about a specific topic, don't, don't consciously and in an isolated way learn vocabulary, study vocabulary, but just listen to a podcast or whatever resource or to a story that you're interested—I mean, that you're interested in—about the topic that you want to learn about, right? Because if, if you want to learn about business, you know, just watch videos on YouTube that talk about business in the language you want to learn, and you're gonna learn the vocabulary naturally. Yeah. 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 So yeah. I remember when we used to teach Indonesian traditionally massive big banks of nouns yeah. you know there's no way that kids could remember all those and 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 you know why do you need them if, if you go to the country you can just point to those things uh -huh. you know you don't need to know the names of them but you do need all the verbs oh yeah makes sense to just make sure they've got all the verbs right. Not high frequency ones anyway yeah, because you can use gestures for eating and drinking, but some of them are more complex. <laughs> yeah. I actually I use a lot of gestures with my kids. I do a lot of gestures with the words. And so sometimes to to um you know just oh, I can't think of the word to, to switch their memory, I'll just do the gesture and then they can remember the word because they're so used to me doing it with them. Right, right. right. Whatever is necessary for them to understand what you're saying. It's that simple. Yeah. Simple. <laughs> yeah. I mean that that's the challenge. So that that's the technique. How, how, how do you make yourself comprehensible? Right. But we have gestures, we have pictures, we have real life context and so many things. 
Yeah. Cool. All right. So is there anything we forgot to talk about? Anything else you want to add or? Um, That's, um, yeah, that was good. That was. Yeah, well, uh, uh, well, there is one little thing. Mm -hmm. Like I had to, I had to sort of rethink, okay, if I wanted my kids to do homework, what kind of homework would I want them to do? Um, not that it's, not that it's, um, you know, they don't have to do it, but I set up a YouTube channel. And so every story we did in class, I would make it into a little PowerPoint mm -hmm. and then change the PowerPoint into a movie and then just put them all on the YouTube channel. So then if their parents said to me, oh, you know, someone who really loves Spanish or Indonesian and wants to do some more, how can I help them? I'll just, just watch the stories on the YouTube channel mm -hmm. and listen and, and stop and get them to tell you what it means. And yeah, so I think, I think if, if they're doing any homework, it has to be more input. I mean, yeah, it's all about input or, or watch cartoons or, you know, give them a, yeah. list, like a list of comic books, for example, that, they, that I mean, that's your job as a teacher to find the resources that you think might be comprehensible for them, right? Because that's key, again. But also that they're going to enjoy. But as opposed to just giving them a book and just read this, just give them a list of comic books and that they're, they're going to be interested in. Yeah. And if they if they read them, awesome. If they don't, what, what do you remember? Do you remember <laughs> when I was in Spain as an adult? Two things taught me so much. Okay. I had um, a cassette of Julio Iglesias for oh. Raíces, and it had the lyrics in it. Oh. So, uh, so well, there were Italian songs too, but so. I used to listen to the songs and read all the lyrics mm. in the train. I learned so much Spanish that way. And that was the best way to, to learn the, um, uh, or whatever verb it is that goes career and preferia. I can't even remember now. Um, and then the other thing was Tipitape. You remember Tipitape? Tipitape, uh, yeah, of course. I used to buy those comics. <laughs> I loved them. That was the only thing I could read. I couldn't read novels. They were way too hard for me. Hmm. So I learned Spanish with Tipitape. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I loved comics as a kid. So, I, yeah, I read them all. Like Tipitape, Mortadelo y Filemon, you know? or No, I think that's the only one I know. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but just like like you said, like a list of of comics they might be interested. I, I I do that with my adult students as well. Like I, I don't believe in forcing people to do homework because that's not going to work. Because no. I, I don't know about you, but when when someone tells me what to do, <laughs> even if I no. even if I actually want to do it, I feel like I don't want to do it. If that makes sense, yeah. right? <laughs> as, as opposed to me being the person who decides to do it. Yeah. So, and it works for kids, adults, and everyone. So what I, what I tell them is, I mean, obviously, if, if, if all the Spanish you listen to is the one, I mean, what we're using in the classes, it's good enough, but obviously, you're getting two, three, one, two, three hours of comprehensible input a week. But if you start watching cartoons, reading comic books for half an hour a day, you know, you're just going to speed up the process if it's comprehensible again, right? So it's for their own good. 
So, but I don't force them to do it. I just give them a list of, or I ask them what, what topics are you interested in? So I, I look for resources that, of course, once again, on the level that I think they can understand and just give them ideas of comic books or young adult books if they're a little bit higher. Um, yeah, just different idea podcasts or whatever it is, but according to the level. So yeah. keep plugging away at that input. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's it's about how much input you're getting, right? If you're if you're listening to your target language, and where is some incomprehensible all the time? If you're listening to your target language for two hours a week, the price is gonna be slower than if you're listening to your target language for 10 hours a week. Right? Again, assuming it's comprehensible. It just it's a matter of getting exposed to the language. That's all you need. Like after this entire talk that we've been having <laughs> and after all the episodes, I keep saying it. If you understand what you're listening to or reading, you're learning the language. That's yes. it. <laughs> that's it. Then we can get into specifics, but that's all you need. All right. So yeah, that's it. So thank you. Thank you so much, Anne. Thank you. It was lovely to meet you. I'm sorry. I'm sitting in the dark now. I should have put the light on oh, ages well. ago. <laughs> it's getting it's getting dark in Australia. Yeah. yeah. So, Thank you. It was really good to chat with you. So, I hope to maybe meet you at Arjun or yeah. somewhere one day. Absolutely. Yeah, same here. It was a pleasure. And, and yeah, you were talking about Kathy. So I'm, I'm going to reach out to her again because yeah. And we're gonna bail her out. <laughs> yeah, she's so awesome. I learned so much from her. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, I'll have her on. <laughs> yeah, so everyone should follow her podcast and <laughs> she not her podcast, her blog. She oh, has right. a really good blog. Yeah, and um yeah, when, she's got a YouTube channel as well. When I have her on, I'll 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 list all the links to the you know to her blog or channel yeah. that she's got. Yeah, I've got a blog too, but I haven't I haven't blogged for a while. I've been a bit yeah, been a bit naughty. Yeah, I was I was gonna ask you, you, you mentioned your your stories. Yeah, so my YouTube channel is called Spanish Fun for Juniors. Okay. Um and I'll I can send you the link. Yeah, I'll leave them I leave it down below, yeah. And yeah, it might might be useful for especially if people are teaching really young kids. Okay. And, but uh, do you have one for Indonesian as well or only Spanish? I have one. Uh, actually, I have Indonesian Fun for Juniors. It's got so many videos on it. It's got tons. My Spanish one is called Spanish Fun for Juniors. Okay. So it hasn't got as many. And my blog was mostly Indonesian, but now I have to start. I'm just going to change over and start doing stuff in Spanish. Uh, at least all, all the links below because that'll be interesting. <laughs> yeah, okay, awesome. All right, so yeah, enjoy your evening. All right. Well, you have a wonderful day. <laughs> and th thanks so much. Bye. You're welcome. Bye.